Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Good. Man, I've been chewing on something for a few weeks that you're going to be like, some of you may be like, what the heck are you going to talk about? I'm going to do my best to break it down. I asked people to pray for me tonight from here and out of here. Some of the brothers, <laughs> I text Ben and Luke Fulcher. I'm like, hey, remember we talked about through text, pray for me to be able to clearly articulate what I believe is a huge significant piece for us as sons of daughter and daughters is... As I was praying about it today, man, it's just, it's just this revelation. Every time I go to pray and think about God, this topic keeps coming up that I'm going to talk about tonight. Have you ever had those moments where it doesn't matter what you do or what you decide to pray about, you go in a place of prayer and just the same thing pops up over and over again. I'm like, okay, okay, what are you saying? Like, what am I doing here? And then <clears throat> it's not something that I would typically teach here. But then he had, the pastor asked me to preach, and I'm like, Lord, that's all I got. He's like, that's what I want you to talk about. I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. Amen? So listen, this is going to be for people here, but I also believe it's going to be for some pe- folks out there. Um, this is kind of wrapped in identity, but it's going to be the bigger picture. And in the end, I'm kind of tied all together why it's significant for us individually and as a house. Okay? All right. So I want to talk to you today about the age of the sons. The age of the sons. How many of you have heard stuff your entire life about who we are in Christ since you've been walking with Jesus? But there's there's some loose ends. You don't really have the quite bigger picture of what God's doing with all that. You're like, hey, that's great. We're this, we're that. You're saying all this stuff. It's clear in Scripture. But it doesn't really click fully to make a big sense, like big picture-wise. Raise your hand. Yeah. That's me too. So I, w- I want to give a couple of these scriptures out just real quick. I want to blow through these. These are identity scriptures. We did it with the finance classes, and I think it's it's a good way if you're going to unpack something to kind of start and just remind people of who they are, okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians 3.19. There it is. All right. 1 Corinthians 3.19 in the Passions. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. This is the Bible calling you co-laborers. The other translation says you're a co-laborer. You're a co-worker of God. What does that mean? You partner together. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? Have you ever seen it? They take a, a big ox my size, and they put a slap of wood on it. Then they take another one his size, and they slap it. And no matter what they do, they're kind of stuck together in motion. And so God joins us to him. No matter what we feel like, no matter what we think about, he joins us to him. The difference is how smooth the yoke's going to be for you. Can I get an amen on that? So if you believe what he's saying, it's going to be a nice little plow job. If you, if you fight back and kick back. You're still going to that direction, you're just going to get drugged. You know, it's like the easy way or hard way kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But literally, guys, we are God's coworkers. Does that even click for us? I've been saying, I've said that for years, and I don't know if it really clicks for me. You're God's cultivated garden, but you don't know what I did. Yeah, you don't know what I did before him either. How many of you got a testimony? Guess what? I'm God's cultivated garden. I looked like a desert land 15 years ago. And I'm still not the prettiest I'm going to be because I'm somewhere in the future, right? Kim Clement fans. And I look much better than I do right now. All right. All right. So let's go to Romans 8.17. Or just go to all of Romans because Romans 8 is just beautiful. So Romans 8.17. There, I told him Romans 8. It's my fault. I should have got it because I'm going. There's tons of stuff in Romans 8. And since we are his true children, we qualify. But you don't know what I'm still wrestling with. uh, He said it earlier, didn't he? Doesn't mean you're disqualified. We are his true, we are his true, jeez, we are his true children. I'm going to slow down. We qualify to share all whose treasures? His treasures. You if you believe in Jesus Christ, qualify to share in all Jesus' treasure. What? 
Yes, it's actually in the Bible. I can partake of everything that's his. Why? Because I'm yoked to him. He's my, literally my brother. People like say, stop saying Jesus is my homeboy. No, I'm going to say that. You want to know why? Because the scripture said he is. He's my dad. He's my homeboy. He's my brother. He's my husband. Right? He says a lot of stuff about him. So we are heirs of God. What? I'm literally an heir. When I think of heir, I think of like Paris Hilton because the show back when I was in younger days, they were like the heiress. Remember they had all that stuff? Don't be, that's not what we are, okay? I'm just putting it out there. But we, all of us were mad hating on her. Why? This little rich, spoiled, right? Because she got her daddy's money. Well, guess what? We got our daddy's money. We got our daddy's peace. We got our daddy's joy. Yeah? Come on. We got our daddy's righteousness that I couldn't come up with myself. He gave to me. So, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. That means your character. You literally don't just work on your character. I'm not saying you to neglect it and, and act like a jerk. I'm saying, but you literally inherit the character of Christ. We will experience being glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings our own. So what does that mean? Your cross paid the price right there. Your cross paid the price. So guess what? I got everything you have. Let's go down to verse 28. Romans 8, 28 through 30. We are convinced that every detail, he said this earlier too, of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. It doesn't always look the way we want it, but it's part of the plan. I can go kicking and dragging, or I could go smoothly, but the yoke's going to get me there. Somebody, Some of you are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. We got a lot of amens. Right, don't worry. I've been there too. More than I'd like to admit. <laughs> we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his pre-designed purpose. For he all knew us before he having to, hold on. You're messing me up. I got to look over here. For he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who become just like him. What are we? He's our brother. We're the brother of Christ. You're a sister of Christ. That's your identity. That's your relationship. Think about that. You're literally, yes, he's the everlasting father. He's the Alpha and Omega. But he is our brother. He's the firstborn of many, many brethren. And that's real important we're going to get to. Let's go to Romans 8.18. Just real quick. We heard this a thousand times, but I want to reemphasize to you. You also are the redemption of creation. And that's what this message is about. It's giving us a bigger picture of what this means. Starting in verse 18, I'm convinced that the suffering we endure now is less nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled. Where? Within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. What? Creation is standing on tiptoe waiting for you to be revealed to who you really are. How does that make sense? Why? Why is creation doing that? I'm glad you asked because he tells us. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequence of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery of decay to experience with us, what is the wonderful freedom coming to God's children? As we get redeemed, guess what gets redeemed with us? Creation he's put us in charge of. So literally all the trees clap for you. The mounds cheer with gladness. Here comes the sons of God. Here come the daughters of God. Our redemption is drawing nigh. Come on, it's not just a cloud of witnesses. It's all of creation. It's the heavenly beings saying, go, go, BB, go. Why? Because the redemption of all creation. So we hear all this stuff, right? But how many struggle with how come we don't see everything that we read? We see some of it. We get testimonies with cancer, but maybe this isn't healed and someone passes away, right? We deal with this stuff. 
So what's the problem? The first is identity issues. We're still not fully convinced of who we are and who he said we would be. And this is an ongoing struggle because it says in 1 John, we don't know yet what we will be. What we know when we see him will be as he is because we'll see him as he is, right? The second thing is we're waiting to the fullness of redemption. Paul makes it clear in scripture that the Lord has paid the price, but there's still a repossession, a, a re, how do you say it? I'll just say re, repossession. Now, I, that triggers me. I hear repo, man, I'm thinking, there goes my car. So I'm trying to like, he paid the price, but the full world hasn't been taken over for Christ yet. Does that make sense? So there's, this is still playing out, okay? It's going to play out to the new age is official everywhere. So we're dealing with that. And the third thing is, is we're dealing with, we're being resisted by spiritual forces. Now, this is going to sound really eschatological, but you know I'm not a warfare guy, so don't think of it in this context. I'm just going to lay it down for the people that haven't heard this, okay? Ephesians 6.12 says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions, right, in heavenly places. So let's go, we'll read the one in Ephesians 6 for the people that don't know this. Let's go to the Passions translation with that. Um, this says, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you can, you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Remember that, that's important. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion, not the good angels, the bad ones, under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world into bondage. Because of this, you must wear the armor of God that provides protection so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. That's a good promise right there. Hey, we're wrestling with some things, but at the end of the day, we're going to be victorious. That's what I want to tell you tonight. These things resist us because God put angels in charge of everything over creation. The book of Daniel tells us there was a prince of Persia, there was a prince of Israel, there was a prince of Assyria, and they were warring against one another. These are angels fighting each other. And we're in the midst of all that. It wasn't just God versus Satan. It was like these factions were fighting each other. There's a lot more complicated than what we were raised in Pentecostalism. There's a lot more going on than what they taught us. These, these councils and these principalities and powers in the beginning of time, God says, okay, I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to put you in charge of that. I think Satan was actually in charge of the earth. Why do I think that? Why was he in the garden in the beginning? Because the other fallen angels came, said they came and left their boat and went to earth. They got judged. He didn't. Why? I think it was his dominion. Jesus called him the ruler of this earth, of the world, multiple times. He's the ruler of this age. The ruler of this age is judged. The ruler of this world is judged. What do you mean? In the book of Job, the father calls all the sons of God to him, right? And here comes Satan rolling in. Satan, where you been? Oh, God, I've been to, to and fro rolling the earth. Really? Have you considered my servant Job? So even in those times when he would call him back, he's reporting back to God, what are you doing with what I put you in charge of? He's like, I've been going where you told me, going back to and fro. I've seen some things. Now, he wasn't a good dude. I'm not telling you he was a good dude. I'm just saying he had access because he was in charge of something. So these things decided they weren't going to listen to the Father. Some did. Those are the ones that help us. Those are the ones resisting and doing their own thing. Does that make sense? All right. And you can disagree with me on any of these points. That's not I'm just trying to lay a framework of what this means for you. Okay? So we have identity issues. We're waiting on a fullness of redemption. We have these things in the heavenly realm resisting God's will on earth. Yes? So what is God going to do about it? Well, he already started doing some things about it. Colossians, I'm just going to read through some of these. Colossians says he stripped away their authority. When Jesus went to the cross, he stripped away their authority. Now, some of us have been in trouble more than some others. Okay? So I have experience in this. So this is coming from a tender heart. So don't think I'm talking about you. This is stuff I've been through. Okay? How, do cops have the authority to arrest criminals? Yes, they do. Do all criminals... Submit to that authority. No. So you know what the devil's doing and all of his, his princes underneath them? You know what they're doing? They got a Ford Bronco and they keep on going. <laughs> and he's looking up at the throne going, if the glove does not fit, you must have quit. 
And the Lord's like, guilty. <laughs> You're not getting off this one, sucker. <laughs> they may have fallen for it, but I didn't. <laughs> Sorry, that's just my personality coming out. So you're asking, how does God rule everything, but these things are doing what they want? Exactly. The, the authority goes to, hey, go get these guys. Okay, but they're resisting it. So God's like, I'm going to use this for my plan to bring everything about. So he stripped them, it says in Colossians 2.15. Let's, let's go ahead and read because this is fun. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon, and all their spiritual authority and power to what? Accuse us. That's his only weapon is to try to talk you out of what God already said you could have. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not the prisoner. They were his. How many ever seen like Ben-Hur back in the day? You cut the head off, you're riding a chair, you're a dragon dude behind you, or what is it, Alexander? Or uh, what's the one with uh, Greece? Troy takes the body and dragging around. You're like, ah! Jesus did that through the cross. That's just my manhood coming out. I'm sorry. So what, what is God going to do about it? Number three, like Noah. Somebody say, is in the days of Noah. Have you ever heard that before? Have you heard a man in the room talk about Noah recently? Hmm, maybe our pastor. As in the days of Noah, he's creating a new world under the authority of Christ. This is why I think we were, he, you were talking about that, and we don't, I don't think there was good lessons from that, but I think there was a, even a bigger picture we didn't grasp that literally God is going to use us to recreate the entire planet. And I'm not getting into eschatological, I can't even say it. I'm not trying to get to the end times. So what I'm saying is there's a joy set before us and there's a glory that's coming that you can't be discouraged now in this present moment because it's going to be awesome. Let's go to Hebrews 2, 5. I'm going through this fast. You should be thankful. I got a lot of scripture. Skipping right through there. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. Pause. But I thought you just said everything's the principalities of powers and all these dudes. Okay, they're fighting each other and doing this and that. Yeah. But the new world won't be like that because they're not going to be in charge. Guess who's going to be in charge? But the scriptures affirm what is man that you would even think about him or care about Adam's race. So is this just about Jesus or about Adam's race? Hmm. You made him a little lower than angels for a little while. You placed your glory and honor upon his head as a crown, and you have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have placed everything under his authority. That means God has left nothing outside the control of his son, even if presently we have not yet seen this accomplished. So we've not yet seen the fullness of this. So we're still waiting for the fullness of this redemption. But who's he placing the new world into? Whose hands? Ours. He said, okay, angels that don't want to listen, I'm stripping you of this now, but I'm gonna take I'm not just gonna get I'm not just gonna execute you to death. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this slow roll and I'm gonna raise up these imperfect beings, these treasures with earthen vessels or the earthen vessels that carry treasures. They're gonna screw stuff up and you're gonna be like, that's not right. That you're gonna get so mad, and I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna be so kind and merciful to them. And I'm going to keep raising them up, and I'm going to keep growing people that just generally and organically love me because they love me. And they ha they're not going to have the faintest clue of who I really am. I'm only going to give them little glimpses at a time. I'm going to give them my spirit, and I'm going to show them. And I'm, I'm going to withhold. You got to see the fullness from the beginning, but I'm going to withhold, and I'm going to start unveiling myself piece by piece because I'm going to raise up future rulers of this new cosmic age. Because they're going to want to say yes open heartedly instead of resisting. See, I think Satan knew God's plan. So I think he's he tempted in the garden. He's like, nah, not on my watch. You're not stripping me of my authority. I'll take this whole day thing down with me. Have you ever known someone like that? Play 
played poker back in the day with the guy. Real nice guy. As soon as he'd get out, because he sucked at poker, but he had all the cool chicks. You remember the poker star things back in the day? As soon as you beat him, he's like, let me buy back in. We're like, nah, man, you, you laid the ground rules in the beginning. He goes, if you don't, I'm taking my chips, I'm leaving. Yeah, that's the devil right there. That's the devil, straight devil. I'm not winning. I'm going to try to take the whole thing down with me. Yeah? Because no one likes to play those guys. Yeah? Did we catch that? Go back to, go back to verse 5. I want to read that again. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. And it goes on and on and talks about Christ's Christ preeminence. And we just said how we're co-laborers, we're co-heirs, we're brothers with him. You know what God's doing? He's creating a new cosmic age that he's taken from angels and given to his family. It's the parable of the minas. The dude that had 10 minas that steward him well, guess what he got? I'll make you rule over 10 cities. What? This whole thing is preparation training to rule in the age to come where Satan's bound and we get to rebuild the earth like Noah did. And the only thing holding us back from redeeming the time and accelerating this happen is us succumbing to the voice of the accuser. That's why the armor of God has put a helmet of salvation on. Why? All he could do is accuse you. Put the breastplate of righteousness on. Why? Because he's going to tell you you're not righteous. You screwed up again. Yeah, but the word of God says, if he be for me, who could be against me? If he, God's the one that justified me, who could unjustify me? If he's the one that qualified me, who could disqualify me? So I, I nerd out on this, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm feeding on this. Maybe it's hitting me harder than some of you, but I'm, I was like, so I text a couple of people. One of those guys is someone that's way smarter than me and way more studied than me. His name is Luke Fulcher. How many know Luke? Luke Duke. Probably not listening, but if you are, we love you, Luke. So I was texting him. I'm like, man, this new world is going to be ruled by men, not angels. He's like, you know, it's funny. I got some stuff about that. I'm like, please do. So I'm going to read some of Luke's texts. And I'm not saying this is clear. You can disagree with this. I'm just saying this is fun, and I, I, I'm, there's something on here. Something I learned, he says, in my revelation research from an incredible reformed scholar named James B. Jordan. 24 elders cast the crowns before the lamb, and then there are 24 actions carried out by the angels throughout the rest of Revelation. His theory is Revelations 4 to 5, the one who could open the scroll narrative, which is Jesus, is actually showing heaven's perspective of the ascension of Christ, and that the 24 elders casting their crowns are angels subordinating themselves to the new creation order where man, not angels, serve as God's co-regents. Did you catch that? They each then carry out their final government assignment because if the angels are doing the judgments, which we know in Revelations, it says a seal is broken, then an angel carries out a judgment. He goes, the judgments must be on the old creation because that's what they're in charge of. So some of the judgments, like in Psalm 82 or 86, I was taught was like pastors and prophets and kings and presidents. They better watch it because they're going to die like mere men. No, no. Who, if you talk to a king or president, are they going to die like a mere man? Yes. Why? Because they're a man. So he's not talking to men. He said, I made you like gods, but because you judge unrighteously, you'll die like mere men. He's talking to the fallen angels that he put in charge of everything. So now... We are being raised up as God's co-regents to rule the age to come. Is this hitting home with any of you? This is freaking huge. This is the joy set before us. Why is this relevant now? Well, this, this one thing came to me right before I left. In the Old Testament, who were called the sons of God? The fallen angels or the good angels. If you were an angel, you were called a son of God. But you know what's funny about that? Because people act like there's no more sons of God. But John 1 says, those that have received him, he gave to become, he gave the right to become the sons of God. Whoa! This is a different type of replacement theology. I'm not talking about Jews. I'm talking the fallen angels 
judge unrighteously, not according to the will of God. So God raised up other sons of God, you and me, to take over and start this thing new, just like Noah. Why did Jesus talk about the end? He kept saying, as in the days of Noah. We keep thinking it's like, like we make up these, they're having a party or they're out yelling at Noah, making fun of him. There's no record of any of that, like you taught us. As in the days of Noah. He's going to use us to restart this whole thing. So what, is, so what does this have to do with us now? Some of you are probably like, okay, this is great. This is cool, like end time. So what does this have to do with now? He's creating a new cosmic order where his people reign under the preeminence of Christ, replacing the former old creation order that was ruled by angels. He's doing what he did in the days of Noah, but on a grander cosmic scale. He's going to use us. To put on display his goodness, intending, loving, mercy. Why do you think all creation is groaning for that? Let's throw up Ephesians 2.17 as I wrap this up. At his fullness. Yeah, 1 through 7. I'm sorry, 17. And his fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses. Dead in your sins and offenses. How many once that would describe you? But guess what? As soon as you said yes to him, that's no longer you. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark lore of the earthly realm. See, this stuff's all over the Bible. Who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in their hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived... By whatever natural cravings and thought our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But, everyone say but. God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the what? Heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated. This isn't saying we're going to be. We are now what? Co-seated with Christ. Here we go. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showed upon us in Jesus. God, you're so cruel. You sent them to the lake of fire. No, have you seen these ones? I showed them my mercy. These ones corrupted my creation. They're going to be burned forever. But these ones? Come on. Ask Jason Flint about my mercy. Ask Brandon Boyette about my mercy. Ask Jimmy Lovejoy about my mercy. Ask Mike Thompson about my mercy. Come on. Our testimony is a display from this point forward to the age of come that we testify. No, 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 no. There's no accusations. He's good. And my story testifies of it. Shh. Come on. You're in the biggest setup of the entire creation. I'm not talking America. I'm not talking revival. I love all those things. I said it to Lacey Academy, Ken around like an Oreo cookie. My salvation was the cookie on the bottom, which is delicious. The age to come, I'm going to rule and reign. That's the top cookie. Revival is the cream in the middle that ties it all together, baby. And together, come on, some of you weirdos take your Oreo apart before you die. I dunked the whole thing, man. I want to eat it in one swoop. Why is this important? We have to get over ourselves and shut up the accuser of the brethren. I know you've heard it a thousand times. We actually have to believe that every single person in this room that believe in Christ are called to rule and reign in the age to come. So what does that look like now? Let's start practicing today, ruling and reigning what it's going to look like in the next age. You know why? Because by doing so, we actually accelerate and redeem the time. The Bible actually says, well, Mike, is it appointed time that Christ returns? Yes. But what about the Bible that says we can hasten the day? Yes. Maybe the appointed time isn't a, a, a calendar on the wall that says on December 24th. Because how many people have done that and been wrong? 
Maybe the appointed time is when the church gets a crap together and actually believes what he said. And then he's like, that's the bride I could come back for. Daddy, you ready? Let's go. Let's go. If you actually believe what he said about you, you'll never question serving. Why? Jesus Jesus stripped his clothes down, used his clothes to wash the feet of the 12 who were underneath him. But it was crazy, because right before he does that, you know what it says? Jesus, knowing that the Father's put all things into his hands, gird up his loins and wash your feet. So if you serve, that's an indication that you're starting to get how loved you are and how valuable you are. I don't serve to get anything. I've been serving for years. You know, I serve out of love. I'm not serving to try to jock for position. I serve because, man, I know everything's been given to me. And to whatever degree I don't know, there'll be some more that'll be, that, that'll be there. I'm serving for the greater good. Does that make sense? If we actually believe, you know what I see this as? This whole eschatological re-roll, the, the new age to come, this new cosmic order. I see this as the joy set before me. When I'm at my home and I'm praying and sometimes it's hard or, you know, kids too loud or whatever it is that we, we deal with. And, and we go through there and it starts to make us question our, our position and relationship with him. How many know what I'm talking about? We're going to be honest with everyone in the room. And we start to question this stuff. You know how Jesus handled that? I, I hate when people act like Jesus didn't suffer. The Bible speaks against what you're trying to teach. It says in Hebrews, he learned to be merciful through what he suffered. He suffered. You don't sweat grapes of blood and not go through some stuff. Because I've been through some stuff, I've never sweat blood. Do you see what I'm saying? When his eyes was on the price he had to pay, he, had, he sweat blood. Father, take this cup for me. People are like, he had to say that. No, what are you talking about? He sweat blood. He was freaking out. That's why his friends, I don't think Peter, James, and John were supposed to be there praying. I think it was between him and the Father. I think that's why they fell asleep. Because it said a deep sleep came upon them. I don't think they, they couldn't endure. I think they weren't supposed to. Because they went, he said, stay here. He knew he had to go alone. He went further. But he was struggling. I want to take those close to me into this. And the Father's like, man, this is between me and you. Love them. Let's go. And he comes out. It was a moment of weakness. It said he, he's a better leader because what well, he suffered. We can't take the suffering of Christ away. That you, you can't, he's God, but you can't take the, you can't dehumanize it. Because, it. because that's our permission. And it says he's a better leader to us because he went through the same suffering. It's all in Hebrews. It's right there. He went through some stuff. And when he focused on, he knew what was coming. He knew the cross. He wrote the story in heaven. It's his story. And then he had to come face to face with the story he wrote. How many of us are like that? We don't want to do it. Man, I should have signed up for this. He asked for the cup to be taken away from him. Don't tell me he was celebrating. Here I go. Save them all. See, I'm being, I'm not, I know I'm being funny, but I'm being totally, we portray him as like this dude that just came out like Superman. I will take the, like, no, dude, he knew he didn't deserve it, and he was going to take it for all of us. And he wrestled with that. And then in a moment of breakthrough, he said, not my will, your be, yours be done. And then he had to go through living hell, being mocked by demons, speaking through men, through Pilate, through religious demons, speaking through them, through the Jewish folks at the time. And he gets beat nearly to death, and he can't even make it. He, he probably couldn't even carry it, so the Romans made Joseph, a rich man that was there trying to tend to him, carry the cross with him. And he didn't give up. As, he probably could have, you know, they talk about in medical field, like, you know, we heard it from Tim Sheets, like, doctors will tell patients, we need you to fight. We need you to want to live. Because your will to live will give up. You'll die. He didn't. And, and it says, the Bible tells us, because the joy is set before him. This whole thing, I believe, even though it sounds real eschatological, it was really to say there's some joy. Like Paul said, the present trouble we are wrestling with ain't nothing compared to the glory, Justin, because when it's cool, that will be assignment for a while. But in the age to come, what if you have ten of them? 
and you got 2,000 people in each city, and you got 20,000 people said, we overcame heroin because we heard the testimony of this guy. And the Lord's like, because you did that, Justin, I'm going to give you 10 of them just like you. And you're going to rule over this place. So here's the thing. We could struggle in a present moment and because and, and, life sucks sometimes. I think life's pretty fun. But what I think sucks is usually my fault. <laughs> That's just me. Maybe you're not like that. But literally, dude, I have fun generally every day of my life to some degree. I enjoy it. I enjoy life. It's not always a party, but, it, like, I enjoy it. But literally, when you go through the tough stuff, at the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm complaining about all these little things. I'm tired. I'm going to freaking rule in the age to come. I'm going to be used to repopulate the planet. I'm going to live in the cube city with gold streets and gold walls. See, the problem with eschatology and what we were raised in, it was a, it was a form of escapism. I'm not talking about escapism. I'm saying, look where we're headed. The end of the story is all the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Every time he reigns, that means all of us with him. Why would he return? Would he bring all of the sons and daughters with him? Because it's a family affair. And the fathers is putting not the age to come into corrupt angels' hands, but into his sons and daughters whom he can trust. And it's intertwined all over the scripture, time again to prove it. So when life begins to get hard and you're like, is this thing really going to happen? Look at the joy set before you. You're just being resisted. That's all. You're resisted by someone that's been stripped of his authority that's held power over the region for generations, who's like, I'm not going to let you just come in and take my land. Reminds me of Tombstone. Doc Holliday. New sheriff in town, son. I don't care what you rule. This has got my name on it. Maybe that's why Paul couldn't go to certain cities. Nah. You could go there, Paul, but I want, I want to show you your portion. And I wonder if Paul, in the age of come, is going to be sitting and ruling over cities that he evangelized and fathered. I'm not saying that's doctrine. I'm just saying that's where my mind goes with it. As bad as you think it sucks sometimes, you put this in front of you, Every time I think about this, I get so in the wonder of God. You literally chose me to help recreate the earth like you did Noah. I look at Noah like a hero. You ever look at him like Abraham, a hero? You look at Noah, he replenished the earth, man. Like he got the whole do the thing. He came out, had a party, planted a vineyard. Man, what an incredible man of God. He was the only one found righteous. Guess what? That's you. He's doing the same thing to you. So as bad as it looks sometimes, no matter how you get resisted from the community, your own families, hello, We've all been through these things, right? Or these things are controlling things, no matter how bad culture gets. Whoever thought culture would get to where it is? You know why I'm still happy in it? Because I know it's not the end of the story. This is their last fight to take our country and the world. And I'm like, I know how the story ends. I don't like it. I'm going to vote against it. I'm going to pray against it. But I'm also going to pray for the vineyard that's yet to come. I'm going to pray for the cultivated garden that we see in each and every one of you. And I'm going to actually believe instead of like, I don't want to go through negatively and be drugged through this thing. Mama Tina's been killing some stuff on Facebook. and gets, I'm like, ah, I want to freaking headbutt something. It would hurt because I'm out of shape and not as strong as I used to be, Justin. But, I mean, I'm, it, it's getting me fired up because I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this thing is not a drag. It was such an honor to come today. And I'm, I know, like, people probably don't understand half the stuff I talked about tonight. But if you, if you could break it down to this, he's calling you to rule and reign. And he's going to restart the entire creation and put you in charge of it so we could do it the right way. So what does that mean today? It's the parable of the minus. Start stewarding what's in your hand now. I can't give a million dollars, but I can give what I can give. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. A $1,000 check was a stretch. Then you get to $10,000. You heard him talk about this. And then he takes you to the next level. Okay, I can trust you a little more. Here, here, steward what you have. 
pray into these things, dream with God over them, what would Streetsboro in the new age look like? Because some people act like he's just going to wipe it out like a nuke. He's going to nuke everything. I don't think that's the case. I think slowly we're going to be building these gardens. Streetsboro, Mobile. We're going to have these Goshens all over the place. These cultivated gardens that start in us and spread out through our communities. Why? Because people are going to do it in so much joy because they realize, even if I don't see it in my lifetime, this is the end of the story. And what can I plant seed and water now to see this happen? I take stuff like this and I drink from it for the present moment. I pull from it. They call it Graham Cook because I live in future present. I pull for the joy that's set before me. This is where my life is headed. And I pull it in. And what's crazy is this is going to be for all, all, everybody in the room at some point. God goes to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And I don't know why he does this. But it's fascinating. He's, he starts by Abraham's joint. Before he goes to destroy it. Like, why? Just go destroy it, God. He's like, nah, I'm going to stop by Abraham's place in the lake. Man, I'm mad. I'm real mad. I'm going to take these folks out. Fire, brimstone. Let me, let me stop by Abraham. Probably going to be a good thing. Because it said there were angels. Then it said, then there was one as a son of, appearing as a son of man. And then that one began to spoke. And it said, then the Lord said, so I think it was the Lord, said, he got to see Christ before Christ ever became Jesus. They call that a, what do they call that, theophany? Theophany. Not good with this one, apparently. But he stops by Abraham's house before he does it. And he's like trying to give him bread and wine and just, hey, 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 stay a while, let's eat, let's have dinner. And they did. Can you imagine God on a way to go destroy something? He stopped and, and man's food. I'm sure God could create some bad of the bone steaks, you know what I'm saying? Abraham's, hold on, let me get a sheep and we could eat it. He's like, all right. What? Like, you're getting ready to destroy a city and you're going to stop and have a meal with your, with your dude? Like, that's a totally different mindset. You know what I'm saying? But you know what he says that blows my mind every single time I, I think about this scripture or read about it? He stops on the way there, and Abraham's following him. And he, he stops and talks to the angels with him. He said, shall I hide from Abraham, my friend? Abraham don't know he's a friend of God at this point. Shall I hide from Abraham, my friend, what I'm about to do, what I'm doing? Seeing that he becomes a great and mighty nation, and through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham never saw that on this side of earth. He saw his kids. He saw his, he may have saw his grandkid, I think. That's all he saw. He saw a grandkid. He'll become a great and mighty nation, and through him. What was his grandson's name? Israel. There's your great and mighty nation. And through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How much money goes through their hands? How much technology has come out of Israel? He literally treated Abraham, you got to catch this. In that moment, he treated Abraham, not on who Abraham was at that moment, but who Abraham's going to be hundreds of years later, thousands, 4,000 years later in heaven. What? Abraham, I got a story in you, and what you struggle with now, even believing for a son, that's not the end of your story. 4,000 years from now, it's going to seem like a flash because we're going to be in heaven and we're going to laugh as we see Israel be established as a nation and spread technology throughout the earth. No matter who goes against them, they're going to stand because I said they're going to stand. I made you a promise. He was speaking to Abraham 4,000 years later, but treating him like the man standing there in the flesh was the man in heaven 4,000 years later. I'm not doing this because he owns this. This is his land. I'm going to honor him as the Father's land, even though he never saw it. You catch that? You guys are coming new to this thing, man. 
He will treat you in this moment like you're your best. You can never let him come talk to you, the devil I'm saying, talk you out of who you are because of what you miss. Keep going through the process as many times as you have to. It's not a one and done. I wish it was, but it's not. But it hasn't been for any of us. There's some things he's taken off me like that. There's some things that have been a process. But all I know is every single time I come here, I get his mercy every single time. And I know when I screw up, he reminds me of this, this type of teaching. And he says, you know what? The mic that screwed up today is not the mic that is 60, 70 years old. Literally, I'm starting to believe. You guys, I'll be vulnerable. Some of the men probably know this. I have fear of dying early because of my weight. Yeah, and, and, and naturally I should, according to the natural. But for the first time within the last couple of weeks, I actually had a vision of me with Sam's son. I Listen, I believed I could see him as a, as a college-age man because I've seen it. I've talked to him in his 20s. Some of you have a problem with that. But I've had multiple encounters with Sam when he was even a baby, and maybe even before he was even born. Well, I talked to him when we were in Africa. He's like, Dad, you don't have to worry about me. This is what God's going to do with me. But I, I've, I've had faith that I could see him to college, but I, I could never see him beyond that until a few weeks ago where I was there with Sam, and for a brief moment, Pastor, I got to see his son or his daughter, whoever's the kid. And I'm like, God, you're granting me life because the Lord told me he's going to grant me life, that I'm not going to, don't worry about it. I got, I got you. But it's still, yeah, but I deserve this. Did you see what I ate? I forgot to work out again, and the accuser comes in. You're never going to see this happen. You're going to die. I had I delivered pizzas, Justin. You remember those days? And I had a guy come to me. He had a heart attack, and it was a demon speaking through him. I just got saved. I could tell back then. He looked right at me. He's like, you're going to die of a heart attack. I said, get behind me, Satan. I know who you are. And he got he went weird. He got all weird. He literally manifested at work. It was a coworker. And I'm like, I rebuke that, and I rebuke you. Get out of my face. And then he tried to go back by coworkers, go, <laughs> but he manifested. I saw it in his face. I saw the demon in his face. He granted me extended life. I'm not saying to be a poor steward of your health. I'm telling you, I actually believe for the first time I'll see my grandkids. I'm talking with the last few years. I'm not talking for, say, I'll say, I'm telling you now, I will see my grandkids. Whew. Why? I have a joy set before me. That now becomes another testimony of what I'll see that pulls me into it. So when I want to give up, Armin, there's a voice that says, don't you remember you're going to see your grandkids? Get up and do it again. I'm going to make myself work out today. Why? Because I actually believe what I saw, Jason. I actually believe I'm going to see my grandkids. And and there's it's over here, but I'm right here, and there's some space between us. But I'm going to start closing off that space every time I do a sit-up, every time I go to the gym. That's my struggle, but that's not yours. It may be something else. But I'm telling you, if you actually believe what the scriptures tell us, you can live off that juice for a long time. And you can pull yourself. And listen, you know, I don't do that every day. But when I start to struggle, I'm like, man, come on. Had a whole day planned out to get there after work or whatever. It didn't work out. Then I'm like, I'm not going to dwell on that. You know what I'm going to do? Tomorrow, first thing, priority. <laughs> Why? Because I actually believe I'm going to see it change. Listen, dude, my diet hasn't been perfect. I've been watching what I'm eating. I literally, and this isn't about me. I'm just giving you testimony. Because he said something. He had a dream. He, he preached on weight loss, and people started losing weight. So I honor that word. I believe it. And guess what? I got some new pairs of jeans in, the size I wear now, and they almost fell off my off me. Did they not? And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm losing weight. I don't look like I'm losing weight. Let me go try my old jeans on that I haven't worn in three years. I Two sizes smaller, I put them on. I'm wearing them tonight. This right here, these old cruddy, they're a testimony. I, I think more than my habit was his word. Because I married it. Doesn't mean I don't work out because I believe, you know. No, I keep doing the thing, but I honor the word, and I, I want to see that. And I think I'm sitting there like, 
I got a plan to write, Lord, and help me sum up a little bit. It's not where I want to be. I'm going if you could see where you're going to be, if you could just imagine and get a glimpse, I don't need to see, know where Sam's going to work and have all of his kids and all this different stuff. All I need to see is just a glimpse, Justin. If I could see him and his son or daughter and I could see that, then I know I'm going to see it with these eyes and it's going to pull me into that thing. You don't have to have Wyndham figured out. You don't have to know Jim. You don't have to have all this stuff figured out. All you do is have to have enough glimpse to see I could pull from that. I could live from that. We don't have to have everything figured out know how we're going to do it. We just have to see we're in the building now. I'm going to keep believing, keep sowing, keep praying over the words, and then we're going to own this whole thing. It's in the book. It's in our storyline. It has to happen. And if something fails and we can't afford this place, something, I don't think any of that's going to happen. But if it does happen, guess what? setback is just a setup. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to be there. Come on, some of you hear me. You have a word for a kid? Went through a few losses? You still have a word? I've seen you guys live this out. We still got a word. We're still believing. It hurts four times. Still got a word. Still got a word. Still got a word. You just keep pulling, pulling, pulling. A righteous man falls down seven times and he gets up. This is why I'm telling you, this is where we're headed. Pull from it. Believe you're called the rain. Take it. Lord, I know what it looks like now, but I know what you're setting me up for. And I don't get how it's, everything's going to work out. I know it's going to work out. Because you're good and you've been faithful 100% of the time. I'm, just, I'm telling you, when I read this stuff, don't get in a theological mindset of like, oh, it's end times this. No, I'm telling you, look for that. How is that relevant to me right now? Because I'm not yet, God, I'm not, I'm not the one of many nations. You mean the whole earth is going to get blessed through me? Yes, Abraham, you're not going to see the fullness of it for 4,000 years. But I'm going to treat you today like who you're going to be in heaven. Come on, Jesus, I know you just went through the hardest thing you've ever been through and now in eternity. But I want you to sit in my right hand while I make your enemies my footstool. Your footstool. They pierced your feet, but you're gonna you're gonna make me sit on your head. Just sit here while I do that. That's good news. Come on, stand your feet. I know we kind of went around a mountain, a theological mountain tonight, but I hope you've got, you, I hope there's something you can cling to tonight. Come on, begin to pray in the spirit. Come on, Northgate, it's time to live out of the joy. It's time to drink of the fountain of the joy set before you. Come on, if he's not giving it to us, he wouldn't have promised it. I spent 15, 16 years since I've been saved trying to figure out what it's going to look like. Drive myself crazy. I finally got to a point within the last year of like, I ain't trying to figure anything out anymore. I didn't stress myself out and worry. I'm just going to say, I believe you. And I'm going to see it fulfilled. All that does is frustrate you and make you less confident that he's going to fulfill it. Because it doesn't make sense. God, I just throw up my hands and surrender and say, I know it doesn't make sense, but I trust you. And when I need a word, you'll give me one. When I need encouragement, you've surrounded me with family to encourage me. That's why I joined to this man. It wasn't just obedience to God. That's first and foremost. But this man called me out. When I didn't feel like a prophet, guess what he did? Every single time. Men's meetings, one-on-one -on -one private time, that's why I surround myself with this family. That's why I surround myself. Was I? Did I have to because of obedience? Yeah, sure. But I get to be a part of this family. That encourages me, that re-identifies me, that reminds me of who I am. 
And if you allow yourself to come into this thing and be intertwined with this family, you can't lose. Because when you think you've lost it all, someone's there. Get up. Get up. Let's go. Come on. Let's just thank him tonight. I just say thank you, Lord. You don't hold your tr- my trespass against me. You put them as far as east is from the west. And Hebrews 2 said, man, we have such an incredible salvation. So what do we do, Northgate? Hebrews 2 says, don't deny his voice. Today's the day of salvation. There was a moment where that meant me coming to Jesus. Now this just means like me coming to the next dimension of glory and belief. Salvation. We've been teaching is way more than escaping hell. And I thank God that I don't have to go there. But salvation is I get to rule with him. Heavenly places now, but on earth in the future, he's going to put me over the works of his hands. Can somebody say amen? I've been feeling for a while God's about to do a new thing in the salvation of Jesus Christ. I was raised, and it's, it's still correct, that when you receive the salvation of Jesus, heaven becomes your eternity. But there's also a staple that the Bible says that when you receive Christ, you become a new creation. Old things pass away, and behold, listen to how the, the scripture's written, behold, all things become new. I think what happens in salvation sometimes when we listen to the devil is God says you're a new creation, but you won't behold the new. Because you're allowing someone whose eternity is going to be hell to continue to try to remind you of your past so you can't behold your future. And there was a piece that Mike talked about tonight that when Jesus was about to step into resurrection life, he had to go through death first. And he wanted some people to go through something with him. And I truly believe Mike was 100% correct that those disciples weren't allowed to go through that prayer meeting. They weren't permitted to go through that. And there's some transformations that God wants to take us through that we're like, man, I just want somebody to walk with me. And God's like... I'm going to put people next to you that's going to walk with you. But there's going to be a peace that only I can walk through you with. There's only a peace that only God, man, somebody needs to hear me. There's a peace that you're like, man, I just want a brother to walk with me. But God's like, no, I want to walk with you through this. I know it hurts. I know it stings. I know you're rejected. I know you're broken. I know this don't feel good. And you know you got to go through it. You know... I'm speaking to myself. You know you got to go through this. And there's not a woman. There's not a man. There's not a husband. There's not a wife. There's not a brother. There's not a sister. It's God Almighty that wants to hold you by the hand and walk you through the greatest transformation of your life. And Jesus showed us the way. Jesus said, I'm going to hold Abba Father's hand and we're going to walk through this so that you can learn to behold the newness in Christ. Come on, man. Some of us know we went around a circle a time and time again, but tonight I'm not going around it. I'm ready to go through it because He's with me. Though I walk through the valley, I won't be alone. And I wanted some people to go with me. But you have to go through this with God holding your hand. Tonight's the night that you'll never be the same ever again. Because God's taking you by the hand. And the devil lied to you and said it's going to be hard. And God said, oh no. No, 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 no. If you grab my hand, we'll make it through this. We'll make it through this. And old things will pass away. And behold, tonight, tonight, it'll become new because I've had a plan for you the whole time, son. 
I've had a plan for you the whole time, daughter. And let's go through this together. So I'm not, listen, I'm not giving an altar call for who's just tugging at the heart. I say let's all head into something new tonight. So come on, let's come forward tonight. I know God's dealing with hearts. I know you didn't think you were going to make it. I know you didn't think your dream was going to come true. I know you didn't think. But tonight, this will be the moments I'd say, grab the person, the hand next to you. I'm saying, no, man. I want you to grab hold of God. I don't want to go through this alone. God said, you're not. You're going to go with me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to walk with me. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.